Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. It is an absolute privilege to be able to share God's word with each and every one of you today. Thank you so much for being here. We understand that you could be anywhere else. You could be doing anything else. But it means a lot that you would be here today. For those of you watching online on our YouTube channel or for anybody visiting, being our first-time guests, thank you so much. It really does mean a lot. We hope that this word blesses you and that you would return back soon. So thankful for our leadership. I know they're not here, but can we put our hands together for Pastor JJ and Pastor Liz as well, who are just phenomenal leaders. They're phenomenal leaders, incredible pastors. And uh, we're just, uh, man, we're just so blessed to have them in our lives and in our church and on our ministry. And today I want to speak on part three of a collection of talks that we've entitled as The Haunted Heart. Has anybody been blessed by these past messages and The Haunted Heart? Amen. Over the past several weeks, Pastor JJ has been sharing some incredible, incredible messages where we've been talking about, quote, unquote, Halloween monsters or characters. And what does the Bible say about them? What do we do when they show up in our lives? What should be our approach? And in week one, Pastor JJ talked about Frankenstein. And he talked about we had a dismembered a fake body up here and, and we began to put it together. And he talked about being watchful of not getting our identity from other things or other people or other uh, situations or things like that. But rather having a, a sure foundation and the one who created us, which was God. And then in week two, just last week, he talked about vampires now, not vampires necessarily the ones that suck our blood, but rather vampires who suck the energy out of our soul, out of our life, and what to do when, when they appear in our lives. And today we're going to continue by talking over the monster of the ghost. Now, when I talk about ghosts, I'm not necessarily referring to Casper the Friendly Ghost, nor am I referring to ghosts of busters or anything like that. But what, I'm, what I want to communicate to you about is the ghost of regret. Because how many people know that is a real thing in life? At times we feel regret from choices we made or things that we might have said. And the truth is, as I was thinking in preparation for this message of a, maybe a time in my life, which I have plenty, but a time in my life where maybe I didn't maybe say the best thing or I didn't make the best decision I was reminded of early on in our marriage, Zelly and I, I remember we had this one particular incident. Now, in, in the early stages of our marriage, we were living in Gainesville, Florida, and we did everything together because we not only obviously lived together, but we even worked together. And so we were constantly together. And there was one particular day that we came home after work, and it was time to eat and I remember her saying something along the lines of, hey, I'm going to make something new. I'm going to try out a new recipe. Now, something you need to know about my wife and I is that we are opposites attract. I'm the type of person, and maybe you can relate to me, that when you go into a restaurant 
and you find a plate that you enjoy, like that is your plate forever. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're not, you don't even got to look at the menu anymore. Like I'm that guy who walks in. I want to I eat the same thing. I want the same person to cook it. I want to I sit at the same table. Like I want everything to be the same. I'm the guy who walks in and I'm like the usual please, all right. And so, hey, why change it if it's working well? Now, my wife, she's total opposite. She is, she's an adventurer. She wants to try new things. As we're going to our table, she's looking at what other people are eating. And she's like, hey, what's that? Hey, that smells good. She's asking people, hey, what is that called? And I'm like, babe, don't touch their food, please. <laughs> so we're opposites. And I remember her saying, hey, I want to try something new. And I'm like, why if everything is going so well? But I said, hey, let's go for it. Now, I've got to say that she's a phenomenal, phenomenal cook, as you can tell probably. She cooks amazing. But there was this one particular occasion that, that she, she made something. And I remember that she told me, hey, it's ready. Let's eat. We sat at the table. And I cut into my food. I put it into my mouth. And uh, all of a sudden, I began to, uh, flavors, flavors began to explode all up in my mouth. I mean, things I hadn't tasted before. Parts of my mouth that hadn't experienced flavor before began to feel flavor. And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, what am I eating? This is different. I'm chewing on it, and it doesn't go away. You know, like, like what is this flavor? She looks, she's sitting at the table right across from me. There's nowhere I can hide. She looks at me, and then she asks the question, hey, so what do you think? How do you like it? I'm, again, she caught me at the wrong time because I'm focused on here. I'm focused on what's happening in here. I'm, I wasn't thinking straight. And so I remember that I simply said, well, I've had better. Exactly. I, I had like an outer body experience where a part of me came out of me and looked at me and said, did you really just say that? And then again, 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 I wasn't thinking straight. And so I figured, you know what, I need to fix this. And so then I followed it up with, hey, it's edible. <laughs> it didn't go very well. For, I want to I pause here and I want to have a teaching moment for all the single men of the house. Who one day you want to become married. Uh, let this be a teaching moment. Take, take, learn from my life that, hey, this is a phrase you never want to say to your significant other. Don't say, hey, I've had better. Or, hey, it's edible when they ask you how their food is. For all the married men in the house who want to stay married as well. Don't ever say that to your significant other. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking straight. I, I wasn't thinking straight. And, and I finished my, my food like, like a good husband. And. Uh, we, we, we've never had that same meal again, but that's, that's, that's besides the story. But I remember, I remember I said it and instantly thinking, why did I say that? And what's funny is that as I was preparing this message, I asked my wife, like I often do when I get to share, and uh, I remember asking her, hey, I'm th trying to think of a story. Uh, can you think of anything maybe where I've I, said, I did something towards somebody or I said something towards somebody that maybe offended them or I shouldn't have, it didn't come out right. And immediately she was like, oh, yeah, like remember like early on in our marriage when you said my food was, that like you had had better and that it was edible? And I'm like, wow, you, you thought about that too quick. <laughs> I was like, there, there is, you need a counselor, you need healing, you need to let that go already, all right? Um, 
But the truth of the matter is, many of us, if not all of us, we have some type of regret in our life. There are, as if we were to look back, we've maybe made some incorrect choices or decisions that, you know, when we, we begin to think, you know what, what if I had done something, what if I had done something different? What if I had taken a different route? And you know what, there was a study done by Harvard, and they concluded that 90% of people have some type of major regret in their life. The ghost of regret. And then the top three categories that those people said that they had their regret in was in some, was in education, was in either career or romance. And you know what? It's very important to understand that God didn't design us to live a life full of regret. God didn't design us for you and I to walk around with the burden on our shoulders of always, hey, what if, or hey, I remember, you know, what I did in the past, or the, the, allowing the enemy or other people to speak into your life, reminding you of your past. God's called us to live a free and a forgiven life. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go with me to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 17. It's on page 1004 in my Bible. John chapter 3, verse 17, and it's going to be on the screen behind me. And it says the following, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is not up in heaven waiting with a lightning bolt ready to strike us down. He's not up there with a list of all of our past mistakes and ready to remind us. Rather, he sent his only son to die on the cross and take our place so that we would be forgiven once in all. If you came into this place this morning looking for a, a message of hope or looking for some good news, I'm here to let you know that the way you came into this place doesn't have to be the same way that you leave out of this place. If you came in here discouraged, if you came in without hope, you can leave with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You can leave forgiven. You can leave hopeful. You can leave with a faithful life. How many people can say amen? But the ghost of regrets, I believe it to be a real thing. Not maybe necessarily something that we see, but something that we feel. Something that we hear at times. It's oftentimes not going to speak to us when we're in a crowd or a multitude of people. But at times it will speak to us when, when it's the middle of the night when we're alone. And we begin to feel lonely or we begin to feel disappointment or, 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 or like nobody cares for us. And we start double guessing all the things that we did in our lives. What if I would have taken that job? What if I would have made this other decision in my relationship? What if I would have studied for that test? What if I would have applied for this job? And, and all these questions, all, these, all this anxiety and stress can come over our life. Again, I'm here to let you know that God didn't design us to live like that, but rather set us free. But what can we do, though, when regret does appear in our lives? I believe there's a couple of things. The very first thing that we can do when the ghost of, reg of regret appears in our life is number one, recognize your regrets. Recognize your regrets. In other words, I'm talking about accepting responsibility. And I know this might be a little bit tough to swallow, but hey, we can't, we can't deal with something that we're not willing to confront. 
Just because we avoid something as well doesn't mean it's going to go away. Just because we don't pay attention to the grass in our front yard, it doesn't mean that it's going to stop growing. Whether you look at it or whether you don't, whether you water it or whether you don't, oftentimes it's going to continue growing and we're going to still have to cut it. If not, it's going to kind of go out of, all, it's going to go out of place and the yard's going to kind of go crazy. Just because we avoid certain things doesn't mean that they simply go away. And it's so important that we would deal with the things in our lives, but not deal with them so that we feel discouraged or run to the wrong things, but, but, but acknowledge them and recognize them and bring them to the right source, which is Jesus Christ. I believe in those moments of struggle, who we run to makes all the difference in our lives. And who we run to reveals a lot about where our trust is. Where do we run in the moment of regret? Where do we run in the moment of struggle? Do we run to our friends? Do we run to alcohol? Do we run to just working more hours? Do we run and just trying to overperform? Where do we run in those moments of regret where we don't want to accept the responsibility? It matters where we run to because where we run to is where we get our source of strength and our comfort. And nobody can give us the strength and comfort like Jesus Christ. It might just be temporary. You might be able to get away with it for just a moment. But at the end of our days, we need to come and bring all of ourselves to Jesus Christ. He's not mad at us, but rather he's madly in love with us. I have two incredible children, Joely and Josiah. Josiah is about to turn five, just actually next Sunday. And, and, and you know what? With both of them, I've, I've grown personally so much. I've learned so much about myself uh, as, a, as a couple. My wife and I, we've learned so much about each other. It's been an incredible experience thus far. But they've, even in their young age, they've been, they've been able to show me and teach me even about my relationship with God. Because even when there's at times, moments I want to get upset at them because they did something or they didn't obey, God reminds me and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm patient with you. Hey, I love you. They're my kids too. And it reminds me that, hey, you know what, just the way I've, I've, I need to be a father with open arms, loving, welcoming them, always thinking for their best. You know, that's what God is in our lives as well. He's our heavenly father who always looks out for us, and he's not mad at us, rather, he's madly in love with us. No matter what you've done in your past, no matter what you did yesterday or 20 years ago, something that you've been carrying in your heart, in your life, a mistake, something that maybe nobody else found out, but, but you know what happened, and you've been carrying with that. Hey, God is here this morning with his arms wide open, and he's saying, hey, son and daughter, come to me. I will take that from you. I will heal you you are mine we've got to we've got to recognize it if we made a mistake we've got to accept responsibility but bring that to Jesus secondly we must release our regrets release your regrets first John chapter 1 verse 9 it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. I circled the word, the word there, all unrighteousness, because there's nothing too big for God. And I think a lot of times we think, we, we discount ourselves, we disqualify ourselves because, hey, I made that mistake. Or because, you know what, I, I, there, nobody else is struggling with this, so I'm a, I just must be in some type of oddball. I just must be the only one going through this. And so there's no way God would ever accept me. There's no way, there's no way God would ever forgive me. Hey, this scripture said, and scripture does not lie, that he'll cleanse us and he'll forgive us of all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we've said. But God is ready to receive us and receive our regrets. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares. Included in that is all of our anxieties, all of our worries, all of our concerns, our guilt, everything on him. For he cares about you. If you have a physical Bible there on your lap in front of you, and if you have a pencil, a marker, mascara, something, <laughs> scratch that where it says you and write your name in it. Because that's what God has for you. He cares for us. He loves us. And he doesn't see us rather through our sin, but he sees us with eyes of grace and compassion. In Scripture, we see multiple occasions when many people throughout Scripture, they were, they, they were left aside. They were, uh, you know, they were left, uh, you know, nobody wanted to be with them. Nobody wanted to touch them. I'm reminded of one individual who was a leopard, uh, not an animal, but rather he had leprosy. And nobody wanted to be near him. Nobody wanted to touch him. Nobody, oh, he actually couldn't even come into the city. Actually, he had to stay away from the people. And actually, he even had to say, hey, I'm I'm unclean when he was getting nearby to anybody because that was just the law of the land. And Jesus, I'm so encouraged because Jesus, rather than doing what everybody else was doing, which is walking away, he walked to him. And he touched him and he healed him. When everybody walks out in our lives, I'm so thankful that we serve a God and we know a God that walks, is willing to walk into our lives. Pick us up, encourage us, touch our lives, and help us get ahead. Why? Because he cares for us. Thirdly, not only must we recognize our regrets, not only must we release our regrets, but also redeem your regrets. Romans 8, 28 says the following, and we know. That in all things, there's that word again, all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I, if we can show that verse once again, I want you to focus up here. It says, in all things, God works. It doesn't say we've got to make it work for ourselves. It says that God is the one who's working on our behalf. In other words, we don't got to make things happen. We don't got to try to figure out who do I know and who do they know and try to make things connect, things like that. The Bible says, hey, God has a way of turning things around, whether it was a good thing or whether it was a bad thing. God can turn it for your good. Whether it happened last week or whether it happened last month or years ago, 
God can turn it for his good. And even when it doesn't make sense, even when we can't tell that he's working, even when we can't tell that he's doing it, he's, he's working in our lives, sometimes it's simply backstage. Sometimes it's simply unseen. I remember I was probably around the age of 12 or 13. I was in my bedroom I remember we had just moved to a three-bedroom house for the longest time or since I was born. We had lived in a smaller house, and I had always had to share beds or rather bedrooms with my younger brother. It was just two, two boys and my parents, and we'd, we'd always have to share a room. I remember it was around that age we moved into a house where I could actually have my own room, and man, did I go crazy. Man, was I so pumped up. Uh, if, if you've ever experienced something like that, I remember I, I began to decorate. I finally felt like I could decorate my room the way I wanted to. I remember I began to put newspaper uh, on the wall, and I just kind of did weird things. I set up a fish tank. and Why? Because this was my room. This was my castle. Uh, I put a sign on the door that said, you need to knock. Or rather, yeah, you need to knock to come into this room. And then in real small print, I put, unless your mom. Because she had, anyways, and so um, she had this footwear, these, these chanclas. Anyways, you don't know about that. <clears throat> you know how the, they turn corners? Anyway, forget it. And so she had, it was, this was mine. And I remember it was in that bedroom one particular evening, around the age of, of 12, 13, that I remember I began to tell uh, one particular prayer I made to the Lord. And maybe you've said this before, and I said, God. Uh, use, would you please use my life? Um, and I wish I could tell you that the next day uh, I got a phone call um, to my house phone. I wish I could, I could say I got a, a phone call from uh, Joel Osteen from Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, the largest church. And uh, I wish I could say that he invited me to speak, but he didn't. Um, I wish, I wish, um, I wish I could tell you that I got a call uh, from, from Bishop T.D. Jakes in Dallas, Texas, and, and he called me and he said, get ready, get ready, get ready. And, uh, and he said, hey, I, I, want you, I, I, I want you to come speak at, at my event, uh, but he didn't. And uh, you know what I did the very next day after I made that prayer of God use my life, I, uh, I went back to school. Uh, I went back to school. Why? Because I had to go back to school. Uh, and I remember, you know, going to school and, and coming back home and, and being active in, in church and, and uh, in, in clubs at school and things like that. And, but I never forgot that prayer. Uh, and it was that prayer that held, has held me throughout my entire life uh, because it served as an encouragement that, hey, even when I don't see God visibly in front of me moving stuff, uh, I choose to believe that God's working on my behalf and sometimes it's simply behind me. Sometimes it's simply behind the curtain. Sometimes it's simply, you know what, it, it's, it's in another area and it's not in front of me and I'm okay with that. Why? Because I know that no matter what happens in my life, he's going to turn everything for my good. And so I don't got to worry about five years from now. I don't have to worry about ten years from now. I'm just going to focus on today and I'm going to be faithful to God today. And whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do it. Because that's, what, that's the type of God that we serve. And I want to encourage somebody this morning by saying, hey, you are not defined by what you did wrong, but rather what Christ did right. 
I think this is a mindset that sometimes if we're not careful, we, myself included, we can fall into that our mistakes are now the definition of us. That failure is now who our identity is now, who we are now. And, and, and it's something that we now carry. Hey, it was simply an event, but it's not you. Hey, you might have tripped, you might have fell, you might have scraped your knees, but hey, you can get up again. You can brush yourself up again. You can get cleaned up again, and you can continue moving forward. We serve a progressive God. In other words, a moving forward God, and that's what he has designed for each and every one of our lives. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Hey, whatever I did in the past, it's behind me for a reason. I can learn from it, but I'm, I'm not looking back. I'm not going to stay back there. Uh, that's not where God designed me to be. I'm going to continue moving forward in the name of Jesus. I love this verse because I believe it communicates mission and purpose. Hey, I've got something to do on behalf of God. I'm not an accident. Hey, I'm not just here because my mom and dad, they, they, they planned me or they didn't plan me. I'm here because God planned me and he instilled inside of me a purpose and a mission to accomplish on this land. And that's the type of attitude that each and every one of us, we should be waking up to. Hey, it's a Monday morning. You have a mission to accomplish. Hey, it's Tuesday. Hey, it's a Wednesday. Hey, it's the weekend. Hey, wake up with mission on your mind, with purpose in your heart, that everything that we do would give God honor and glory. How many people can say amen? I'm reminded of a story from the Civil War days. Maybe you've heard of this story before. If not, I'm about to share it with you. But basically, this was before times, this was before the time rather that the slaves were all freed. And the story goes on to say that there was this one particular older gentleman. He was a miner. He would work in the mountains and he would, he would dig and he would find precious stones and, and he, would, uh, he, he would just dig. And, 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 and the story goes on to say that he was a very successful miner. Uh, he found precious rocks. He found a stone and, and he, was, he was doing very well off. One particular day he comes down from his uh, work area and, and he's going into the town nearby to get some more supplies when he notices a large group of men. When he notices a large group of people and they're yelling and they're just, they're yelling and, and he, at first he doesn't know what exactly is happening. And so like many of us probably, when we hear a large commotion or we see a lot of people together, uh, he got closer to see what exactly was happening. As he approached the group, he began to be able to make out the words that they were saying and see a little bit clearer what they were actually doing. And little did he know that they, he had stumbled upon an auction where they were purchasing slaves. And they were reaching towards the end, and, and all, the, all the men there, all the people there, they were, they were yelling, and they were just saying obscenities, and they were saying all these things, and... This was just breaking this man's heart. 
He hadn't experienced something like this before. And, and all of a sudden now he's right in the middle of it and he doesn't know what to do. Here he is and he, he hadn't planned for this. He hadn't come for this. But now, now there, well, he has to do something about it. The story goes on to say that they were on the last individual that they were selling for the day. And it was this young lady that they were selling as a slave. The men, uh, almost on cue, unfortunately went even wilder. They even started yelling crazier stuff, things that they wanted to do, things uh, that just no one should hear. It broke this man's heart to the point saying, you know what? I want to buy her. He got a little bit closer so that they could see him as the auction proceeded and as the bidding began he jumped in on the bidding and he began to raise his hand and say how much he was willing to offer finally to make a long story short he actually outbid everybody and the auctioneer says sold to the old miner Everybody clapped and cheered for him as if he had just won a prize or something. Patting him on the back, saying, oh, you got, a luck. You got lucky. You're going to have fun. And the whole time, his heart's just broken. His heart just doesn't know what to do. He goes up to the young lady, simply says, follow me. Her hands were tied with the robe. He, he unties them, and he just says, follow me. And he began to, they began to walk up a street and, and down a street and, and then up another street and down a street, almost as if they were looking for someplace specific. And he was actually. They didn't dialogue any. She just followed. The whole time though, in her heart, sadness, grief, anger boiling inside of her. How could this, how could this happen to me, she thought. Finally, they get to the location. It's a small storefront location. He turns to her and says, hey, uh, I need you to wait here, please. And, and he goes inside. She can't hear what they're saying, but she can see that he, this old man is now talking to somebody across a counter. She hears faint words through the glass, things such as, are you sure you want to do this? And uh, this is the law. This is going to cost a lot of money. Why, why would you even consider this? She's trying to put it together in her head, doesn't know what's happening. But she does see this man reach for another bag of precious stones, everything he actually had left, and give it to the man across the counter. In return, the man returned a piece of paper. He signed it, gave it to the man, and he came outside. This young lady was so upset so upset how could you do this to me I hate you she spit in this man's face I wish you were dead cleaned his face grabbed that piece of paper says hey I, I have something for you these are your freedom papers she grabbed that paper and just smacked it out of his hand she wasn't paying attention to anything it was saying. And she said, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. 
No, you don't understand. You don't understand. You, you, these are your, your freedom papers. You don't have to come home with me. You don't, you don't need to follow me anymore. You don't need to do anything else I say. This is for you because I bought you to set you free. I bought you to set you free. And those words shook the young lady. Began, her eyes began to water, but this time, not with tears of anger or out of sorrow or grief, but rather now out of joy. It was making sense to her, everything that had happened in that moment since he showed up. Are you saying, I'm free? Yes, I bought you to set you free. You can go, you can do whatever you want. No one else is going to bother you ever again. He expected her to walk away. He expected her to run away and just be happy. But rather she knelt down and with her tears, began to wipe this old man's dirty boots and he said what are you doing she says all I want to do is serve you because you bought me to set me free I'm not going anywhere I'm going to follow you because you bought me to set me I want to remind you this morning that over 2,000 years ago, God in heaven, he sent his only son for you and for me. And he hung on a tree to purchase us at the ultimate price. And he bought us to set us free as well. Set us free from regret set us free from addictions, set us free from a life full of anxiety and all these voices and all these ghosts that want to appear in our life and discourage us and remind us of our past. God, he bought us to set us free. What's going to be our response to him? That we've got to do something now. I pray that it would be just like that young lady said, Jesus, all I want to do is serve you because you bought me to set me free. Doesn't matter how you've came into this morning. Doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you didn't. Doesn't matter if you know all the words of the song or you don't. God loves you just the way you are. Doesn't matter how many times you've been married. Doesn't matter if you're still single. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. He doesn't see you as your mistakes. He doesn't see you with all your faults. He doesn't see you the way other people see you. He sees you as one of a kind. When he looks at you, he smiles. When he looks at you, he says, she's mine. When he looks at you, when he, looks at you he says, man, he's a man of God. When he looks at you, he says, wow, there's so much, there's, she has purpose. She was made on a mission. Man, she has something significant to do on behalf of me, on behalf of God. She belongs to me. Don't believe what everybody else says. Don't take on the labels that other people try to put on us, but rather choose who God says, who God destined us to be.
those regrets that we've been walking with, maybe since childhood, or maybe since another marriage, or maybe it's something in the former school, anything, something that we said that was inappropriate, something that one night stand, or something that we took, something that we tried, or maybe something that we didn't do and we wish we would have, hey, don't let that consume you any longer. Don't let don't that burden, that weight that's on you, you don't gotta walk with it anymore. Don't let, don't let that hold you down. That thing that's been pushing you down to the ground, that thing that hasn't allowed you to lift up your hands in worship because you've been so consumed from this day forward. Be able to surrender all that over to God. For the Bible says, He cares for you. That ghost of regrets. We want to shine the light on it. We want to make it disappear. We want to make it go away. Hey, it's not going to haunt you any longer. You're not going to go back any longer. You're not Those voices, you're not going to pay attention to those voices any longer. Now we're only paying attention to the voice of God in our life. How many people can say amen? With every eye closed in this place, with your head bowed down, maybe you're in this room and or you're watching this video and you have you've been through some things and those things haven't been able to you haven't been able to to let go of and they've affected you the way you've you've tried to parent that you've they've affected you the way you you've you've tried to love the way you've tried to live and you're always double guessing yourself and your head's always down low because you're you're worried about what if other people found out or what if it would have been different? You don't have to walk with your head out low any longer, but rather you can keep your head up high because Jesus is in this room right now and his arms are wide open and he says, son and daughter, you can come to me. Give me all your cares. Give me all your regrets. Give me all your worries. You don't got to carry this for yourself. I'll take it for you. And in return, I'm going to give you an abundant life. I'm going to give you a full life, a life full of mercy, of compassion, of grace, of love, of joy, and of peace. If you're here today, you're ready. Whether you've done this before or not, but you're here today, you want to surrender your heart over to God. You want to surrender your regrets over to God and say, you know what, for the last time I've allowed, I've allowed them to haunt me. For the last time I've allowed them to hold me back. But today I heard a message, not because I shared it, but because it was the word of God that said, you know what, if I were just to cast my cares upon Jesus, he'll take it from me and I don't got to carry it for myself. If that's you here this morning, I want to say, hey, don't wait for anybody else. But you surrender it on the count of three. If that's you, raise up your hand high as a sign saying, God, here's my heart. As a sign saying, God, here's my life. Take it all. I want to follow you because you bought me to set me free. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high at this moment. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Welcome home. You can put your hand down. Now everybody within the sound of my voice, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I love you. And today I give you my heart. I give you my past, my present, and my future. I understand. I know that I'm not perfect, but you are. Come and 
into my life. Forgive me and make me new. From this day forward, I want to live for you. I declare, come on church, say, I declare that I will never, I will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.